100% of entrepreneurs will be the bottleneck in their business. Not once, but several times. It happens to the best of us. It will happen to you and nobody talks about it until now. Hi, I'm Laurent Autain, the bottleneck coach. My job is to get entrepreneurs unstuck when they become the bottleneck in their business. But what does it mean to be the bottleneck? How to diagnose it? What are the symptoms? And most importantly, how to get out of it? These are some of the questions I cover in this podcast. So join me every week as I ask entrepreneurs to share their experiences on how they've cracked the entrepreneur bottleneck. This is episode 133. Joining me from Australia is leadership development expert, emotional productivity coach, and global village skills trainer, Angela Eyes. Angela supports the growth of highly productive individuals and teams in a culturally diverse and rapidly changing world. She strengthens leaders in the areas of emotional, social and cultural intelligence competencies and teaches people in organizations of all sizes how to balance task effectiveness with building trust and rapport, combine results orientation with empathy and distinguish between management and leadership. Angela is a certified learning professional, accredited master coach, and a certified NLP trainer. Hello, Angela. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Laurent. All right. So let's get into the topic of leadership. Is there anything wrong with leaders today? Is there anything wrong with leaders today? Yes. Whoa. That's not an easy question to answer because it it depends on which leaders we are talking about. Are we talking about older leaders? Are we talking about younger leaders? Are we talking about about leaders who work in a local environment or are we talking about leaders who work in a hybrid or um, online environment? Yeah. Do you, see of, any, do you see any differences between all of those type of leaders, the young and the old generation, for instance? What sort, what, sort of, what sort of differences do you see? The older leaders still have the attitude that they're the bosses and they can treat people like children. So they're like parents and they're either the critical parents or the benevolent parents. So they mm. either nothing is ever good enough or they will be going out of their way to help and micromanage and make sure that the that the child is okay. And I use right. the word child in quotes, obviously. Um, whereas the younger people, the younger leaders are very much teamwork oriented and they're very they have embraced the fact that everybody needs to own their competencies and that they all have a need for independence and autonomy. Um, but it's kind of hard to to manage people when they're on the other side of the planet. Mm. So what's what's not I wouldn't say there is something wrong with these leaders. I think what's really hard at the moment is for them to actually embrace that our communication like ours is restricted to a small square. So right. communication is completely different to when you have somebody in front of you. So if you've got somebody who is gesturing you're gesturing like this or not at all or has a black screen, 
you know, all of this impacts on impacts leadership considerably because mm. you're just you're just dealing with a small fragment of a person, really. So what's what's it's not what's wrong with people, with leaders. It's the they need the ability to actually build trust and rapport in that constricted environment. And a lot of people don't have the skills. Okay, how do you, how do you do that? Because this is this is an interesting point because a lot of things, a lot of the work that I do, for instance, and most of the work that I do is online, like right now, mm -hmm. what we're doing right now. I really like what you what you said about it's restricted. It's true. I've never thought about it like that way. Uh, you don't see the entire person. Uh, so, how do leaders need to adapt? What do they need to do to become better better leaders? Well, the first thing is that this is a kind of it's it's a it's a very different environment. When you meet somebody face to face, you often you start talking about things that are not necessarily work related. You make time mm -hmm. for lunch as mm -hmm. a leader if you're if you're in a in a leadership role where you can do that. But generally, I will find that that leaders and I definitely encourage my clients to do that, catch up with people socially. Otherwise, it becomes a very transactional relationship. And if things go wrong, you don't have the trust to actually manage these things. But when you're on Zoom, I know that when I have a meeting with somebody on Zoom, it's generally for an hour, right? Mm. And then it's finished. And then, but but there is no social interaction. Like I have, I work with people and we we make time to catch up socially, but we have to actually schedule that. It's not a natural transition from... So we're getting, we're catching together up and we're having a cup of coffee together. And then we start talking about things. It's the, we're here to work. And when you're working with Slack, with messages, with email, and you have these meetings that are really scheduled for a certain period of time only, it becomes so transactional and so, and so task oriented that the relationship focus falls completely by the wayside. So it's really important to build that relationship because we work with people we like and we trust. And if we're only focusing on work and on task effectiveness, we don't build that relationship. And that doesn't build a culture. And that doesn't build a team. So what you're saying is that leaders should schedule uh, relationship building time Absolutely. With, their, with their employees Yes. When when they are online, online leaders. Well, if you are offline, you're like in, in an in-person environment. It's easy. You can pop up. You can pop up into an office. Yeah. Say, "Hey, how are you today?" But it's still making time for that because I hear a yeah. lot. I don't have time for that. And I go, yeah, but you need to make the time because if things go wrong, you have the relationship to be able to deal with these things very quickly. But if you don't have the relationship, it's probably going to be much harder. Yeah, it's a very interesting point because I, I see that a lot in our entrepreneurs that I coach. You know, they're so entrepreneurs, they're so bu busy building stuff. You know, mm -hmm. they have their head into the day-to-day -day operations. They, they start hiring people yep. and they forget that the bigger the company, the more detached they need to be from operations because they need to focus more on strategy, but also on people and spend a lot of time with their people because that's what matters the most. They have to get to know them. So that they can build a team, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So this is exactly, exactly what you're saying. Spend as much time as you as you can to 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 talk to your staff, to know them, to uh, build relationships. It doesn't matter the it doesn't matter the environment. And sometimes it's really important to also build relationships with people you don't work directly with you, or with like you know colleagues. 
you know, whether they're on the other side of the planet or mm. not, build relationships with people you have touch points with, because there will come a time where you need to talk to, let's say, the HR department, or if you're in marketing, you need to talk to, um, you know, I don't know, a department that doesn't seemingly have to do anything with you, but you will need to have maybe a question answered or an issue resolved or whatever it might be. And if the person knows you, it's quite likely that that's going to be resolved much faster than if you're going in and going, yo, we've got a problem. <laughs> but let's work it out. All right. That was, that was a good introduction into, into what, what you do. <laughs> we're going to go a little bit deeper because I, I'm really interested in knowing what emotional productivity is. You know, we're so, you're so, you're so like a, a global vision sorry, Global Village Skills Trainer. Mm. And uh, we'll talk more about that. But but first, let us tell us a little bit about, you know, how did you become who you are today? I've always been interested in people. I was the child that drove everybody nuts. Why are we <laughs> doing this? Why was that that way? Why did mom do these things? Mom, what, why didn't you? And, you know, grandma, what, what's the purpose of this? And why do we keep doing this when we know that it doesn't really work for us? And everybody was like, oh, God, just go away. Let us be. Because <laughs> we would, I mean, I come from a very loving, but also very dysfunctional family. And mm. I just didn't want to re relive that. I didn't want to pass that on to the next generation. So I started working on myself and I finished reading the city library at the age of 15, the self-development section, and just went, you know, I've got to do more. And then I started doing courses and working on myself, therapy, um, all sorts of things. And then I did that for a long time. I, I think I worked on myself for about 15 years before I dared actually having a conversation with somebody about whatever was going on for them. Mm. And then during that time, I ran a business in Hong Kong. I was a TV producer in Germany. I worked as an English teacher in Taiwan, an import and export manager, as a researcher in New York, Chinatown, you know, places. And then I decided that I really needed to work with people. Actually, my husband at the time decided that that was a good thing for me to do. But still... It wasn't him deciding, it was me, but he was the one who really encouraged me. And so I started working with people on, ironically, stage fright, because I was pretty much the shyest person you could imagine. And I worked on myself first, and then with him, he was an opera singer. And then yeah. I had all these clients who wanted to work on their stage fright. And then once we had worked with that, they said, oh, what else can you do? If you can help me with that, I'm sure there are other things you can help me with. So I started life coaching 26 years ago before that really existed. I constantly had to explain to people, know that I was not a football or a basketball coach. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then I started training and teaching. And um, so that's one. So that's, that's what I've been doing for the last 26 years. You know, I've worked with people from all walks of life. Leadership came into that about 15 years ago, 15, 16 years ago. And so I have worked with people on any level of organization, literally from factory floor to CEO level, mm. in development, individual development, culture change. And I work with people. I'm very grateful. I work with people all around the world. Yeah, you, you travel. You travel a lot. <laughs> uh, so today you, you call yourself an, an emotional productivity expert. Can you tell us uh, what is it? What is emotional productivity? 
for me, emotional productivity means that you do not label emotions as good or bad, as positive or negative. I treat every emotion as useful. One, right. some emotions are limiting and some emotions are elevating. But when you are when you are emotionally productive, you are able to turn these limiting emotions. You recognize them first of all, and then you turn them into a power for good. So you recognize that when you're angry, there's either fear or there is, um, you know, that you're trying to overcompensate for or that um, you just somebody has just crossed your boundaries and you need to protect yourself, whatever it might be. But it's the ability to not jump down somebody's throat or, you know, start yelling, screaming, shouting, but saying, you know what? I'm really angry right now. I'm going to go for a walk and I'm going to come back and then I'd love to have a conversation. Mm. And it's the ability to express still that I'm really angry, but I don't inflict it on the other person. What I do instead is this, I, I manage to debrief myself and get it out of the system in all sorts of different ways without damaging the relationship. And so you teach uh, your clients to do, to, to do that. Like yes. for instance, myself, I tend to uh, get frustrated for nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I know the other person is right. And but I will defend myself because I think this is a French in me. <laughs> and I hate it. And it's very difficult to get away from it. I, I, I have a lot of difficulties to, con to, to control it. I know I'm doing it. I know I'm defending myself for nothing. I know I'm wrong. But I don't I don't do anything about it. So if I was if I was your client, it's a free free coaching session for me now. <laughs> how would you how would you how would you treat me? Okay, I don't treat people. Yes. So clear. Um, so the question is: Do people? Is it the same people who who do they frustrate you? Do they irritate you? Because frustrating frustrating is a longer longer term thing. So it's like a, like let's say. It's, it's something that doesn't make any progress. You just keep doing the same thing over and over again. It's the hamster wheel. Whereas mm. irritation is more the, the situation right now irritates you and you can let that go. Irritation. And it's always the same people or different people? It's... For everybody. No, it's always the same people. Always the same people. <laughs> especially, especially when they are right. <laughs> okay. And what is it about not wanting to be right or wanting not wanting to be wrong rather that you can't deal with? I don't know. With? It's like, it's like, hmm, damn, I should know about this, you know, but I don't okay. want to, I don't want to admit it. <laughs> well, you are, there's a need for being perfect. Ah, uh, maybe. Yes. Yes. It's a good one. So maybe if you decide that you're just a human being and that you're allowed to not know everything, and that the internet is there for you. You don't have to. You don't have to know everything from from a knowledge perspective. And if you make a mistake with regards to behavior, because you've you know you've done something and you know that it was inherently wrong, then there's a good way of going about it. I'm sorry, I was wrong. Mm. I'm sorry that came out the wrong way. Let me start again. Yeah, and you know you're talking about that need to be perfect, and it's a great transition to my next question because a lot of entrepreneurs need wants to be perfect, <laughs> and I think I think this is why I mean I think you you touch a, a, a very important point here. Uh, you know, there's 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 this willingness to be perfect, 
but there's also a lot of stress that entrepreneurs need need to uh, to cope with. There is this roller coaster of emotions all the time. You're an entrepreneur yourself. You know that within the same hour, sometimes we can go from super happy to yeah. super super frustrated. Uh, how what how how can they you know get 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 better in entrepreneurs? How can they get better in improve in in managing their emotional productivity? Where where should they start? Well, if we're combining it with a perfectionism, yeah, is what I I know that that's what I had. I mean, it was just. It's got to be, I need to develop this more. I need to develop this more before I can release it. I, I just, I have to. It's the recognition that nothing is ever going to be perfect. There's one, there, there are two things that I've learned over the years, and both in my own journey, but also working with people, is that progress is better than perfection. Mm-hmm. And it's about, it's about, it's about recognizing that no matter how much you want things to go really well and how much you want people to perform really perfectly, because, you know, there are, there are people, not, not robots. And it's kind of, it's hard to, to, to lower expectations when you have that vision in your head and you're going, I know where I'm going. I just want to get there faster. And it's the, it's the ability to go, you know what? It's going to, I can't push the ocean. It's going to take as long as it does. I'm going to keep going. And at the same time, I'm also recognizing that what I'm releasing, what I'm working on, on you know, instead of wanting everything to be perfect, is I work with MVPs, minimum viable products. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you embrace that, when you're going, this is good enough, I know in a year's time, in six months' time, in three months' time, it's not going to be that anymore. But I've learned in the meantime, and I'm just going to adapt and adjust, and I'm going to move forward. I hear that you. Helps with deal with anger and frustration. Yeah, definitely, I, I hear you. But how do you do it? How, where do you find that ability to say that it's, that's good enough? It's a, that's really an attitude. That's you mm. know when they talk about you know you need to change your attitude. That's that's exactly that. Um, sometimes it's really hard. And what my recommendation is, is if somebody really struggles with this and really can't let go of the expectation of needing to be perfect and needing things to move along really, really quickly, there are some tools that help you overcome that because it's not an, it's not an affliction in that sense, but what it does, it can cause lots of stress. It can destroy relationships and it can actually undermine your progress considerably. So if there are some beliefs in the way, you can definitely do some work on those beliefs and change those. There's also like literally breathing exercises you can do mm. because often what happens when we get really stressed out, we, we, our nervous system goes completely ballistic and then it aggravates the whole situation completely. And then we can't think clearly anymore because the blood has left the neocortex. We can't think properly anymore. And that creates more anxiety, more stress, more, you know, more everything, and we don't breathe properly anymore. So there are all sorts of different things that you can do. These are techniques that I've, that, that I've heard before. Is there, is there anything else, any other, how did you call them, limiting emotions, I think, or even, or even like emotions in general mm-hmm. that we didn't talk about and that entrepreneurs should pay attention to, that we didn't talk frustration, about? Frustration, and also probably depression. And I'm not talking about clinical depression, but that sense of it's really, I'm feeling really low right now. I don't have the energy. That's the one I would definitely pay attention to because often what happens is 
it's it's all depression happens when we we turn all of that that anger and frustration inside and it's i always i always say we've got an internal toxin that mm. and that that and we and what it does it fills up over time and if we don't let it out every now and then it turns inward so what i would recommend is is recognize that you're angry that you're frustrated that you're depressed talk to somebody I generally teach my clients to build a circle of sunshine people, people they can talk to who lift them up, people who don't fix things. These entrepreneurs and, and, and people who work by themselves generally try to fix things by themselves. They think they can deal with it, but what really helps us get through is the community we've got around us. And when you've got sunshine people, if I know that you're my sunshine person and we've got an agreement and I can go, Jeez, I can't deal with this right now. I'm frustrated, I'm angry, or I'm really sad. And I give you a call and I say, Laurent, are you available for five minutes? And you go, sure. Then what I would do is I would say, thank you. I need to have a vent. And then mm. I would just go, this is what's really bugging me right now. And it's just what's really bugging me right now. Not yesterday, not five years ago, but right now. Because my willpower vet is empty and my toxin vet is full. And I really just need to empty it out. But as a sunshine person, you don't fix it. You don't go, have you tried this? Have you tried that? You just listen and you, 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 you are, and you're empathetic. So what you say is things like, that sounds really challenging. Or, gee, yeah, that's tough. But a lot of the time, people don't want to go to somebody else because they hear, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done that? I mean, I, I was unwell last week. I can't tell you how many people asked me whether I was taking vitamin C and zinc and whether I was eating, taking bone broth and, you know, doing all of these things. I am. I'm hearing. Yeah. I just I just really want to hear. I'm sorry you're sick. I'm sorry this is this is difficult. And the same thing goes when somebody hits a roadblock as an entrepreneur and says, I can't deal with this right now. Or they have plum moments. It's all tragic. Everything is awful. I put on my drama queen tiara. And when yeah. I have a sunshine person, I get to sit there and I get to actually have a release. I have somebody who holds me. That doesn't give me the literal tissue, but sits there and says, oh, gosh, not again. Oh, that sounds really awful. But it's, it's, it's just a letting it go and then resetting yourself. Sunshine people. I love sunshine it. Sunshine people. Not not mentors, sentient people, people no. who just listen to you, yeah. and just are there, are there, just to, yeah, be a be a be a be a an ear, and yeah. they don't want to fix you. That's very important. They don't want they don't want to fix you. You're right. So many people wants to wants to fix you. <laughs> Sometimes we just don't want to be fixed. We just want to understand. Yes, they, that sounds really frustrating. It's just okay. You have a right to be angry. You have a right mm. to be frustrating, frustrated. And that's perfectly okay. We all are allowed to have these emotions. It's what we do with them that really matters. You know, if you're sitting on this and you keep storing it, it's not going to be good for you or the people around you. You can't control your emotions, but you can control the, how you react to them. Yes. I don't like controlling emotions. I, I can say, I, I would recommend you say you manage your emotions because mm. you know, that's, because it sometimes it and it's it's really what's really important is that you know your triggers. If mm. you know what your triggers are, then start negotiating them. And that doesn't mean that you now go, Laurent, you know, like I go to you and I go, Laurent, when you do this, that really triggers me. Stop doing that. It's about saying to somebody, 
you know, this is what's happening when I hear you say this. Could we find a way of dealing with that? Unless the person, it's something that's completely unique to that person. It's something that makes up their personality. Then it's really, then it's really hard to ask them to make, make a change. Right? Then it's either yeah. you live with it or you don't. But yeah. if it's something that you can change, have a conversation about it. People don't talk enough. Yeah, that, that's that's true. And on the change also, you need to re, you need also to realize that you want to change. That something is wrong with you. And you are you are accepting that it is you are accepting that it is wrong, and then you want to do something about it because it's always easy to say I'm going to change, but the the most difficult part is to do something about it. Yeah. Well, the thing is, you will people generally change when the pain outweighs the gain. Yeah. Because not, when, we do, when we do something, no matter how little it works for us, how much it hurts us, there's always a hidden gain. And when yeah. people start realizing how much it costs them in terms of health, in terms of relationships, in terms of stress levels, whatever it might be, and they go, well, there is something else and I can do something for myself, then they will change. But otherwise, as they say, you can't lead the horse to water. You can lead the horse to water, but you can't make a drink. Your time is uh, going fast, so I want to focus on on the other aspect of who you are, mm -hmm. uh, which is the uh, you, you describe yourself as a global village skills trainer. Mm -hmm. So again, same question as earlier on. What what is it? Well, I've always been I've I've been interested in people, but I've also been interested in other cultures. Um, right. I went on my first exchange program to England from Germany when I was eleven. And I really haven't stopped traveling since. My mother said I was born with itchy feet. So <laughs> I, have, I have lived in 10 different countries. I've worked in 17 and I've traveled in over 50. So I've, I've studied on, in, on four different continents and I, I love different cultures. I love exploring, but I also love bringing people from different cultures together. So I, I host a monthly brunch um, with people from all over the world with the Internations Network. My goal is always to help people understand each other better. And now with online work and with, with hybrid and online teams, mm. it's really important that people understand each other. And it's not the, well, you've got a Starbucks and you've got a McDonald's and you sit at a table in an office. So therefore, you know, it's all same old, same old. But to understand that people have totally different cultural backgrounds. They operate through very different filters. They think differently. They have yeah. different sensitivities they have different trigger points and when people understand the patterns behind those and they can start looking at people through those patterns rather than content you know it's like when somebody does this that means that but it's 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 being able to say you know what this looks really interesting i want to find out more about that and and having the empathy and also the patience to deal with that so there is no irritation when somebody does something you don't go into why did they do that? But you go, yeah. I wonder why they did that. And getting to know people and, and having that, that compassion and that, that connection with people from halfway around the world. And so that people can work together better and understand each other better. That's always been my passion. You know, I live in Finland and I'm French. Yeah. Yes. And people in the northern countries, in the Nordics, mm -hmm. are very direct, very mm -hmm. straightforward. Mm -hmm. We're French. Um, not at all. <laughs> We're more like snacks. We will never tell you what we what we think. Mm -hmm. Like, but they will. 
And the first time you are dealing with, uh, you know, Nordic people, the first time I dealt with Nordic people, I mm. was shocked. I felt like I felt like the the the, the person I was talking to was uh, lacking respect. Mm. Yes. To me, but it's, yeah. that is just because it was he was used to 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 be like that because he has always been in an environment like that, and I was and I was not. So yeah, I, I got. I, totally understand <laughs> what you're talking what you're talking about now that all what you're talking about we are, we are in a hybrid living in a hybrid environment or a completely remote environment so it becomes even so you, you people entrepreneurs they work with so many different nationalities how do you deal with all how do you deal with all of that well the first thing is with everything recognize your emotions right. that's where it starts that's why it's always for me, emotional, cultural and social intelligence are completely linked. So, and it always starts with recognizing your emotions when you know how to, what, what you're feeling and yeah. you know what it feels like in your body. I'm actually writing a book at this about recognizing emotions at the moment, because a lot of people do not know what an emotion feels like. We are, we are really, actually, I just drew this for a client. So I don't know if you can, for those of you who are listening, it's a, it's a walking head. And it's, it's about, you know, getting people back into the heart and into the body. And, and for people who deal with other cultures and who are, again, restricted to a small square, it's really hard to understand why people do the things they do. So knowing about body language and tonality, directness and indirectness and all of that. So when you learn those patterns, and there's, there's simple, simple to, um, exercises that you can do to actually enhance that the ability to observe without getting triggered, you know, that's, but that's what's really important. It's, it's the ability to say, this is really curious. This is really triggering me. What is it that's really going on for me right now? How have I labeled this? Mm -hmm. And what, what options do I have to deal with this right now? So I don't, because we, we jump, I don't know, you, the, the ladder of inference means that we observe things and then we, we can make assumptions about it. We draw conclusions. We have a belief. And then we never go back to the original situation. We just go for what we already know. So what we do is, is we keep reaffirming. And this is where stereotypes come from. We go to, this is what I'm expecting this person to do. Instead of going, I wonder what they will do. So I would always recommend to everybody, have a sense of curiosity. Instead of expectations... Who any anybody who's watched Ted Lasso knows that the 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 words are, be curious, not judgmental, because it allows you to be really flexible. It allows you, and when you've got your sunshine people, you can manage your emotions. You can let go. You can have your drama queen tiara. You can have your vent moments. You can just let it get it all out of the system. But then you go, how else? What else is there? And then it ties back into leadership. Be curious about the people you work with. Yes. Understand them, spend time with them, schedule yes. that, schedule that, those relationship yes. building moments we were talking about earlier on in yes. your in your calendar. Yeah. So if you don't understand something, you could also ask them. Because one of the best ways to understand their culture is to ask them. Right? Highly underrated questions. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know, it's it's amazing so many times in uh, so many coaching conversations I have with my clients, I'm like, but why don't you ask your people? <laughs> and, like we talked you know when i said you know we talked about perfectionism ask them what their need is what really matters to them 
Yeah. You know, don't ask them why they do something, but what did they do it for? Or what are they doing it for? What is it they want to achieve? What's their need? And you'll get a very different answer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I will take, I will go even further. I will challenge every entrepreneur that is listening to this to do a reverse performance review. You ask your employees, your people to review you mm-hmm. without defending yourself. Yep. Because a lot of our entrepreneurs have never done it. Yeah. Because you, you are not in, you are not into people's heads, right? <laughs> if you want to know what's going on you need to ask yeah. you need to ask them but like you said it's so under it's so neglected we don't even think about it it's so, it's so counterintuitive yeah tell me more about that that's you know and then what else mm. now those are the three very basic questions and then a question that i like i, I encourage my clients to ask the people they work with is if there's one th- if there was one thing that I could change that would make a significant difference to how we work together, what would that be? And yes. I can tell you right now, everybody has an answer immediately. Yes. Yes. And, then, and, and then as the person who receives the feedback, you take a deep breath and you say, thank you very much. <laughs> yes. And then you walk away. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the most difficult part. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk a little bit about you and um, being a, an entrepreneur. Which you've been a solopreneur for 20 years also. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you discovered about yourself since you started your entrepreneurial journey? That I, I really like working by myself. Yeah. I, I, and I really like working with people, but I need to separate things out. So I like brainstorming with people, but then I need to go back and I need to work out the next steps. And then I'm happy to brainstorm again. I'm not really good at keeping the brainstorming going throughout the whole process. I need to consolidate my thinking and then I can give, can, can go again. So I love working with coaches. I always have a coach, but I need to have time between sessions and meetings to just go, so what is it that I'm thinking about it? It's just, it filters through different in different ways. And I just, I just need to give myself the time when I'm, when I, when I push myself really hard and when I, or when I submit to other people's timelines or like great pressure, it just, I, I get into that place of, and then I become the bottleneck and then, then my perfectionism ah. kicks in and then I need to go. I'm not at that place yet. I need more time. So I, I need to recognize the difference between procrastinating and digesting and integrating. And that feels very different. I know when I'm procrastinating because I end up doing all sorts of stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I can do things very deliberately. Like, I, for example, I was, I was writing something today And I came to a place where I was just in a place of enough. I can't, I need to just, you know, like my brain was churning. So I went and prepped some food Hmm. for me, prepping food. This is the, 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 the value of working from home. I love that. I can go into the kitchen and I can go, I'm making a fennel and, and an onion tart for dinner. So I'm just going to prep that. And that's what I did. And then I went back and wrote again. I learned that pushing through and just just sitting and just it doesn't work for me. For other people, it may work. For me, it doesn't. I need to do something that's completely different 
and takes me out of that context altogether. And that could also be going out on the deck and blowing bubbles or going for a boat or going for a walk or playing mm. with my neighbor's dogs. It's all of these breaks that I, when I work, when I used to work in an office, I used to have because I would go and talk to somebody or I would go and get a coffee or whatever it might be. But when I'm working alone, I need to interrupt myself deliberately to give myself those thinking breaks. Yeah, I think it also applies to people who do not work alone, like who work mm. with a team. They also need they also need to do to 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 oh, have yeah. that deliberate breaks because you can't you can't be uh, productive for uh, you know for eight hours or ten hours in a day. That is no. not possible. No, but that's the thing is you can take that time to get to know people. Have a yeah. chat with them, find out, you know, have a Absolutely. coffee. It doesn't need to be the five course lunch. Just go and have yeah. a coffee with somebody. Yeah. Abs even if it's on Zoom, again, and if you're working from home, call somebody up. We used to do that. If yeah. they don't answer, this is these are the good old days. You know, even before answering machines, I'm dating myself here, you would ring somebody up if they didn't pick up, that was fine. You would just call again. Right? <laughs> These yeah. days, everybody expects that they have to be available 24-7. So when somebody rings, there's this stress of, oh, God, I need to answer this now. No, call somebody up and say, are you up for a 10-minute chat? And if the person says, no, I'm not, fine. Find somebody else. Right? Amazing. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. <laughs> I totally agree. I mean, I hope this is something that, like I said, I regularly uh, recommend to, to my clients to spend time to know their team, to build relationships, like we said several times, mm -hmm. to understand them. Because building building a team is really about like understanding who they are. You know, so many times what I what I see a lot is people not doing what they are good at. So you 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 have starting with the entrepreneurs, you know, as entrepreneurs, like I said mm -hmm. earlier, the one of the biggest motonek is you know everything is tied around you. You do you do everything. Uh, yeah. but while the business is growing, you need to learn to let go, focus on what you're really strong at, and then delegate everything else to yeah. people who are better Absolutely. Uh, yes. than you at that, which yeah. means there it's tied to what you were selling, uh, uh, talking about earlier in the emotional aspect. Letting go can be very emotional, but you need to go through that process. You need to recognize that you're not the best person right now, that if you're not doing it, yeah. Then you become the bottleneck in your business. Then it impedes your business. Then your business is stuck. Yeah. So let go. Deal with your emotion. It's fine. Manage, manage it. It is fine. <laughs> I would always recommend start with things that you letting go of things that you really don't enjoy. So yeah. if you don't like bookkeeping, outsource bookkeeping. Start with that. Let go of things that stop you in your productivity and, and really get rid of the stuff that you don't like. That then, that then sets you up for letting go of other things, maybe. And um, again, yeah. again, getting people who can do the job better. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But what you say is important. Sets you up for other letting go. Yes, because once you start uh, experiencing the power of letting go and delegating, you're like, huh. <laughs> why um, did I do that before? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you are encouraged to, to, do, it, to do it more. All right. Amazing. Uh, Angela, one more question. Mm -hmm. How can people contact you? I have a beautiful website <laughs> and it's called AngelaHeise.com. And there's a contact page on there. And so if you connect with me, 
you're welcome to can come and have a chat with me about whatever you would like to talk about with regards to leadership, emotional, social, cultural intelligence, or any kind of human skills that you would like to develop. Thank you very much for your time, Angela. Thank you so much, Laurent. And thank you for listening. Subscribe now so you don't miss any episodes. See you next time. Bye for now.